Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Quick episode today with Willie Donick. We will talk Vanderbilt baseball. Willie called Vanderbilt's midweek win against Western Kentucky. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Lots of Commodore sports this weekend in baseball. Vanderbilt has got four games with Georgia State, weather permitting. Those games scheduled 4:30 Friday two Saturday, and then a doubleheader noon and 3.30 on Sunday. Men's basketball plays Ole Miss at Memorial Gym, that game 2.30 on Saturday. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Willie Donick joins us today. He is a former Vanderbilt baseball and basketball player. He announced the baseball game on the broadcast on Wednesday. He, of course, probably better known as the voice of the Nashville Predators. Willie, thank you for joining us today. Great to talk some baseball with you, Chris. It is, and I wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw because a 12-1 to midweek game not usually the most interesting one, but when you've got five pretty good freshman pitchers making their debut, there's a lot more to watch for in that circumstance than normal. You saw it there. You were at the ballpark. Give me your thoughts on that, please. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I I was watching, like, I think a lot of Vanderbilt baseball followers uh, to try to figure out who's who, right? All these guys just this log jam of young players that have been just dying to get out there and play some games. Right. And we haven't seen these guys very often, not, not too many of them, not a lot of names that we've heard of after you get down the list of about five or six, uh, especially after the injury uh, to Cooper Davis in the very first at bat of the season. 
so I thought that that was a, a fun experience for me to get a chance to see those guys. And you're right, the you know the on Wednesday in particular, the freshman pitchers that they rolled out there one after another, all extremely impressive in terms of their tools and their their makeup and all of that stuff. And you know they're just getting started. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, I think this staff needs a nickname. Um, I was throwing out the Nashville Gas Company just because there's so many guys that you can bring out that throw in the 90s. And I know pitching is more than that. And that's, that's the way with this staff. But I think this is going to be a staff for the ages, potentially. Yeah, you know, I, I think if they stick together, and a lot of them are all coming in, I, I'm curious, you know, how many of them will stay for three years. I think it's got to be a dilemma, especially how easily you can transfer these days. I think Tim Corbin does a very good job of laying out reasons to stay, even if you're not pitching a whole lot on a particular team in one particular year. But uh, I think all of college baseball, you know, you've got these, you got the overlap, right, of the two seasons where you, you really have two freshman classes right now. But uh, you're right. When you consider that the last guy that came into the game on Wednesday, Patrick Riley, uh, in one inning was, you know, 95 or 96 on every fastball that he threw. And he was, what, the 14th pitcher or the 13th pitcher to get in there? Yep. You know, that just tells you a whole lot, right? I mean, years and years ago, if you had a guy that was was thrown over 90, uh, you know, he was probably up there in your top two or three. And if you had two or three guys that were in that range. It just, and like you said before, it's becoming more routine that at the top of college baseball, more and more pitchers are, are getting into that velocity range. But what, what's going to start separating them is their ability to, to spot their pitches, to mix their pitches, all of that stuff. So great opening act, but can't wait to see what the developmental stage looks like for those guys. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like you said, it's the 14th pitcher they use. And, like, we haven't seen Michael Doolin yet, right, because he's been hurt. And, and I think um, oh, there's there's another couple arms we'll see, I know, that are, that are good. But they are now, I, I believe, it seems like their thing is placing a premium on control and command. You know, that wasn't always – the thing for them, you, you've you seen some kids at Vanderbilt that weren't always the most polished guys, but they came out and they threw heat. and They, they might overpower you for a couple innings, and then they'd run into some trouble where they'd walk some guys. They seem to be, and maybe it's just the quality of the arms more than it is philosophy. Maybe they just looked up and got the right group. But that seems to be very much a thing for them that if you can't throw strikes, they got a lot of guys who can and that might keep you off the field on this team, whereas a lot of other years it would not have. Yeah, I think that's the luxury of, and that's the competition that I think internally they have with those guys because that's a reward is getting out there if you if you can throw strikes. Uh, you know, one guy I'm really curious about is Hugh Fisher coming off of the Tommy John. You know, he was a guy that fit the description you were talking about a couple of years ago. Electric stuff that was almost unhittable, but he, he did have a few outings here and there where he had trouble locating, right? He could hit, you know, he could hit some guys or he could lose it for a little bit here or there. Uh, his command was impressive the other day. Of course, as we know, you know, the, the competition level is gradually going to ratchet up here. Um, but I think the other part of it, Chris, is that 
I think they feel really good about their ability to cover ground in the field. Like if you look at Bradfield, Thomas, and, you know, hopefully they get Cooper Davis back, that's a really mobile, rangy outfielder, uh, outfield group, right? I mean, that's, that's impressive. They're really high on Carter Young as a defensive player at shortstop, right? Uh, so maybe the defense starts off a step ahead of where some defenses have in the past. I think you're right. I mean, they're going to be pretty solid up the middle. I thought that the two times they've been charged with throwing out runners, the throws were almost perfect and had a lot on them. Uh, you know, I don't know how much they'll miss Davis and left. I think maybe more than you'd normally miss a left fielder because that wall can be tricky. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think that we haven't seen a lot of Colwick at second. Maybe that's one of the questions. But I, I think potentially it's certainly a plus defensive team uh, based on what I've seen and heard. Well, and the one the one position we didn't mention was catcher, right? I, I think whoever they put back there, they've got plus skills back there. They feel like they've got more depth there than they've ever had, which is saying a lot, right? Three or four guys that all have the tools to be able to succeed in the SEC. And they're they're trying to find places on the field for some of the other ones, right? For, <laughs> and that's where, you know, the injury to Cooper Davis opened up a spot for somebody to go play left field. And, um, you know, that'll be something that we see shake out over the next few games. And all, all these games, you know, you got a couple, you got a double header in there. So maybe there's a chance to work some of these catchers in there and, uh, and let them compete. What did you think of Christian Little? I saw that one from TV. It, we didn't have the best camera angle. We had the stationary camera from the press box, so we didn't get the look we normally did. But I thought he looked pretty polished. I thought he looked like he hit his spots pretty well. Uh, he mixed his pitches. Again, a little limitation from the video that I saw, but what I could tell, I, I thought he looked really polished for a freshman. I thought he handled himself very well because, uh, A, when you consider there's a lot of hype, right? When, when, when they make the move that they made as a family, hey, we're going we're gonna to go this route. We're not going to wait for the draft. Uh, we have to see how this moving picture of professional ball changes over the next couple of years, shakes out, settles. But let's speed up the clock. Let's let's go to college early. That's that's a, it's a pretty bold move, especially because all the circumstances with COVID and everything, he wasn't able to get on campus in the fall for a number of different reasons. Um, part of it was he couldn't take the ACT because it kept getting canceled uh, because of COVID, right? So that he didn't have he didn't have the ability to get all of the requirements in until January, and that made it so much more impressive to me that you, ha you see this sea of talent that they have on the mound, and he won the job uh, as a 17-year-old who technically is, you know, he's the age of a high school senior right now. So take all that into account, because you just look at him, he looks a lot older than that from a distance on the mound. He's six foot six. He's, you know, he's big, he's strong. You can see what the, uh, the scouts see in him. But so polished for a 17-year-old, I think, you know, absolutely fits the bill. But I think he's going to get even more polished as he goes. What, what I liked is, you know, he gave up a leadoff hit each of the three innings. But he didn't 
panic. You know, he got a double playbook, got a couple double play balls. He had good movement on his fastball. You could see he got on, in on the hands of a couple of, uh, you know, good hitters, older hitters. And um, it didn't walk anybody. You know, he didn't get rattled out there. So I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot to like about him for sure. And you don't want to overhype him, but, you know, there's a reason why the scouts had their eye on him like they did. You know, I thought Hunter Owen right behind him also looked terrific, and he's the first left-hander to throw for them this year, which I would not have put my money on him being the one to get that designation. But I thought in terms of lefties we'd see, and they've got a lot more right-handers than lefties. Of course, Fisher is the name that I think if they were playing in Omaha tomorrow and, and had to have a lefty, he's going to be the guy they bring in because of experience. But, you know, a couple more of the freshmen, particularly Burke, which is one that I thought we'd see. But to see Hunter Owen in that spot and to see him throw as well as he did, and I know that he really came on late in winter workouts from what I have told, I really was surprised to see how well he threw. Boy, he just came at them. And I I try to keep perspective that it's Western Kentucky and it's not – Kentucky it's not Florida it's not LSU but and so I want to see how that that mentality you know he looked like your classic lefty coming out of the pen just bringing it right at you fastball hard breaking ball and um, man uh, four strikeouts in two innings and hitting you know you know fastball that had life you know that was the thing that that you know it's not just you look up at the board and you see if it you know is it 92 is it 93 is it 95 but you look at the way the ball has late life and that's what i liked about owen is he looks like he's got one of those fastballs that has that late zip and we'll see how that we'll see how that continues to translate but you're right being a lefty that that gives you that gives you maybe a leg up you know you like to have a little balance and have a couple options lefty coming out of the bullpen but yeah another guy that you look at him you say wow true freshman what is he six foot six right he's just a monster yeah physically well and miles garrett uh, not a physical monster yeah and the, he was opposite, he right? was but but, but he, he was, was bringing it too right. right yeah i mean oh, man. i love his i love his approach you know he just got it uh no i mean quick rhythm you know didn't waste any time a lot of enthusiasm a lot of a lot of energy out there and man, he was he was bringing it strong. So it does, you know, it, it's going to be a great competition just to see which guys end up getting a crack at it. You know, as the games start to get more more and more high leverage. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that you got to find exciting. Is I saw Garrett throw in the fall, and he was much better against Western than he was in the black and gold series. Owen, like I said, has come a long way. So you just see how quickly these kids are developing. Uh, I was not thinking we'd see little that soon in that kind of spot. I think they felt he had some work to do, but again, we're just so refined on the the mound. I think that's encouraging. Now, again, I don't know how much these guys are going to get a shot to play this year because you look at what's in front of them and Holy moly. Uh, it, it's just crazy. But the last one we didn't get to, Grayson Moore, who's a two-way player for them, and I think we'll see him in the outfield at some point but have not yet. What was your take on him? Well, first of all, I, I was paying extra attention to him because he's an Orlando guy, right? Uh, Lake Mary High School. I, I had many battles 
with Lake Mary way, way back in the day when I was growing up uh, at Winter Park. So uh, Lake Mary has got a long line of guys, you know, most recently for Vanderbilt, Harrison Ray, Lake, Lake Mary High School uh, out there, down there in Orlando. But uh, I liked him. You know, he, he didn't quite have the, the same stuff, I would say, you know, uh, in terms of comparison to some of the other guys. But I thought he handled himself well. It's hard to know, you know, in one inning of a game that, it's pretty lopsided. I mean, the game was pretty well in hand by the time he got in there. But, you know, let's just let's just put this in perspective. If Grayson Moore had come out there and pitched for Western Kentucky, he would have had the best stuff of any of their pitchers, right? So we're talking about a fine line between, um, you know, a guy that's, you know, 90, 92. I don't know what the top velocity that Grayson Moore hit. And, he, you know, I think he came out there. He might have been a little nervous. I think he walked the first guy and then settled in. He got a couple of Ks. But uh, it's hard to differentiate all these guys based on seeing them for the first time and seeing them only throw, you know, an inning in most cases. Well, and what's crazy is I don't know that we're even done seeing all the arms yet. Like, I think Gage Bradley. Yeah, you're right. We'll there's, see there's it there's point. guys that are yeah. going to throw this weekend that didn't pitch. Yeah, Berkwich, I think, will be a, a guy that they can use to get the occasional lefty out, maybe even on the weekends. Doolin hasn't pitched, and Will, he's hurt. Uh, Brett Hansen, a guy that gets talked about a lot, and I don't know where he is because when you sit out a couple of years, which he did for a mission, I, I think people tend to underrate how much maybe that, that sets you behind, but maybe he's caught up. I mean, it's just crazy. Here we are. 14 arms, I think they've all looked good in their own way. And Michael Doolin in particular, I mean, Doolin might have been in the mix for a weekend starting spot. I mean, it, it just, I hate to be repetitive, but it's just, it's crazy how many arms they have. I want to switch to offense for a minute. Dom Keegan is a guy who's caught my eye. I was really thinking that the right side of their infield need to step up between him and take Colwick. Colwick has done it to some extent, but Keegan has really hit the ball well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he looks big, strong to me. He looks physically developed. He's a little older than, than a couple of these guys. Of course, Jason Gonzalez is, you know, built like a house. That, that's the other guy. Um, but Keegan, I, I'm with you. I, I, I saw, I, I see a pretty developed hitter. I, I think they felt even two years ago when he was, you know, playing behind the, the, the really experienced group that they had, that he, he was a guy that had a bright future. He's had to really be patient, right, to, to wait for this opportunity. And I, I think he was a catcher by trade, right, that has now yeah. sort of moved to first base. And I think he's got a spot there. I think that looks like his spot. The, he hit the home run to center field, and it honestly fooled me. The way he hit it um, – it just kept carrying it. It got out a lot easier than I thought. It didn't even look like he got his full body into it, which tells me he's, he's got some pretty good power. Uh, so he's got a bunch of extra base hits already. That's a, that's a good sign because they need, I think in a big way, you know, him and Isaiah Thomas to be sort of the, the anchors in the middle of the lineup. You need, you need a couple guys that are going to, scare people, be consistent in those SEC weekends. And we won't know that they can do it until they do it, right? But there's only one way to find out. I think they will. But, uh, you know, it might, take a, it might take just getting 
the experience of being in there every day, every weekend uh, to eventually get there. Last question for me before I hit a couple of quick ones from the mailbag. I think Enrique Bradfield Jr. may be the fastest player I've ever seen there. Uh, And that distinction tends to blur with time. Like, I know that Antoine Richardson was really fast, and and I know they've had some others, but I think he takes the cake. You know, it's hard to compare him to somebody as far back as Antoine, but I think it's a good reference point. I think of Tony Kemp. You know, they've had some good spark plugs, but he's regardless of exactly how fast he is. What I like is he's the kind of guy that when he comes up, everybody in the park is going to be perking up, right? Is he going to bunt? Is he going to hit a chopper that he's going to leg out? Uh, The defense is going to know that if he hits a routine grounder, especially on that turf, you better hurry because if you, if you bobble it, he's going to beat it. And that puts a little pressure uh, on the defense. Um, I love you know, he's, he's, ta- he's looking to take extra base. They won the second game against Wright State because he took the extra base. Uh, Mookie Betts style, right? It was, a, it was a single to left field, right? Nobody – usually people don't try to go to third on that. Oh, no, it was, it was a single to right back. center. But, I mean, it wasn't like a play where the, the outfielder, because the angle he had to take was, you know, way off and had to turn. I mean, like, it was one of those – I said this in another pod – off the bat, you never even consider he's going to do that. Exactly. That, that, yes. And I, I think uh, I love that mentality. And then there's even a play on Wednesday where he hit the most routine of singles, right? And he tried to stretch it into a double. And he got thrown out, and he got thrown out pretty easily. But it ended up being a heck of a lot closer than you would think. So just harnessing that will be something because I, I think – you know, if you go back and, and you talk to him and say, Enrique, you know, great hustle, but, you know, you, could, you, you probably could just steal second base, you know, later in, in, in the next setback. But I love the mentality. Um, I, and I think the question will be, you know, will he be able to work his way on base this early in his, in his career, right? Can he get on base enough when, when he starts facing the tougher pitchers? Uh, you know, for so, and that's the question for really every freshman. But uh, because he's got a little bit of a unique swing, if you look at it, right? It's not a classic swing, but if he puts the ball in play, I think he's gonna. And and if he understands the strike zone, some, and that's the next thing I want to see as he faces more advanced pitching. If he works a few walks, and you know, hits the ball hard on the ground, then his speed is going to get him on base enough to do some damage. Two very quick mailbag questions. Our mailbag sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Call Josh today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at HQ. He's my insurance agent. Hope you'll make him yours as well. Dan B. Nash says, will you be doing any more baseball games this year? Uh, as of now, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, what happens in a, is a case-by-case. Case. If something comes up and I'm available um, and I don't have predator duties and, I, and there's a game that there's a conflict, I've told them, hey, you know, I, I'm always, you know, a phone call away. I'll always check. If I could do it, I'll do it. I, don't, I wouldn't anticipate too many. 
but uh, it was it was such a treat to to get the call when I it's like uh, every couple of years it seems like this situation pops up. So anytime I get an opportunity, I just enjoy uh, being able to call a, a game for my alma mater there. Ann Arbor Door wants to know the right time needed or the right amount of time needed to evaluate Jerry Stackhouse in his performance, including recruiting. Good question. Uh, I, I think I think at the end of next year we'll have a pretty good and knock on wood, you know, it would be nice to have a, a lineup that just is there from start to finish. Uh, the COVID plus now the injuries that have cropped up for a second straight year have really made it tough uh, to really evaluate fully. But my vision is Dylan DeSue, Scotty Pippen, Jordan Wright as juniors, plus the, the freshmen all becoming sophomores, who I think of all, you know, here or there, they've sprinkled in, you know, some good games. If they can become more consistent, then you add, a, I think the two freshmen next year, will really tell us something. You know, if somebody could give them a lift, I think you could start winning some games. So I, I think at the end of next year is a very, very important thing. This year, uh, you know, so many things with the COVID and the contact tracing, it just it just made things very, very tough. But I still see some individuals that have improved immensely from year one to year two. If there's another jump next year, with especially the current group of freshmen and sophomores, I think you're going to see them take a a big, big step forward. I don't know if that means NCAA tournament, but I'm hoping they can more get into that bubble picture next year. That's my hope. All right, Willie, I know you've got to go to a call or a meeting. Uh, I want to give you just a few seconds to tell folks where to listen to your shows, where to follow you on Twitter, anything else of that sort. All right. Well, I I appreciate the opportunity. we do a radio show every day, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on 102.5 The Game. You can hear that online, uh, or obviously if you're in our listening area uh, on the radio, old style. You know, there's more and more people getting their radio from different ways these days with the apps and things like that. But you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Willie D 1025 Love watching the, the Commodores. And, of course, uh, I do the, the hockey games for the Predators uh, on Fox Sports Tennessee and uh, that's where I'm going now is uh, to our production meeting because the Predators have back-to-back games this weekend against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, it's busy times, but this is what you love, right? March Madness is coming. Best time of the year. Hey, thanks for joining us, Willie. He's Willie Donick. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We'll get you again with new episodes next week.